show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Electricity here in Columbia. Well, has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Louis Bryce Stadium is second to none. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes. Uh, we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! You believe the Cops have won this game. Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert, Bill Molinax, my wife doesn't like hanging around losers, and Jamie Bradford. I'm telling you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Co. The Barndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in Georgia, Tennessee, or right here in the Carolinas. Maybe you'll build one before the Battle of the Carolinas, or at least sign a contract. I think it's impossible to have one built in a month, but you know what I'm saying. The Battle of the Carolinas is coming up here in just slightly over a month, and we can't wait. We'll actually talk about that quarterback matchup today here on our program. Phil, JB, and JC, we're here until 1 o'clock. Keith Alsep going to pop back in today at about 11.40, and looking forward to having him in as part of our program. We know that he's been busy previewing the 2023 Gamecock football season as well. Intel starting to trickle out of the building on some of the freshmen who've had a really nice summer and uh, a lot of these, believe it or not, college football coaches can look at some of their guys and uh, just see what they've done and how much they've grown in the summer, especially coming out of spring practice, and tell you whether they believe these young men will have an impact or not. I know I've got a little bit of information to pass along, and I'm sure, actually, I know that JC does as well. There are some recruiting things going on, good news, for Gamecock football. Uh, so we'll get to that here in just a little while as well. And anything that may be on your mind, pass it along in the Nanosports chat box, and we'll make it a part of our programming over the next couple of hours. Phil, JC, I will say this, and uh, we we agreed not long ago this morning that we could uh, now begin to open some dialogue. Monday, July 31st, will be a big day around here. And we hope that you will tell your friends. Uh, we have a well, seemingly a laundry list of items that all of you will be, I'm pretty sure, pretty happy about. Uh, can't say much more than that. We'll spend the next few days making sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. And literally my eyes are crossed, but that's okay. We'll get there. Uh, but on Monday, July 31st, inside the Gamecocks, the show and more, we'll have uh, a bunch of information and a bunch of good information to 
pass along to all of you as we basically kick off football season next week with the beginning of preseason practice. With that said, good morning, Mad Dog, and good morning, Mr. Schubert. My mother-in-law will be awfully happy that we're uh, celebrating her birthday in such a fashion. Oh, that, that, well, I'll put that on the list then. Okay. <laughs> Whose birthday is it? Oh, surely. Alright, so I'm going to tell you a story about Phil's mother-in-law When we were in college, man and, and Jamie, I'm a little older than you So maybe you had the technology, right? Uh, you know, everybody had a, The richer kid or the, I'm sorry A lot of kids had cell phones, their parents got them But it was long distance to tolls If you call it other area And all that I mean, it, you know, it cost money to talk on the phone back then and so I was over at, uh, at Dina's, and, and I had made some phone calls. And the, the her mom paid the bill, and it was $40. And she she called me and dog cussed me. I, I'd moved to Columbia, and I was sitting there in my condo in Columbia, and I get the phone rings. This is Shirley. <laughs> this is Shirley Hall. Is this, you know, is this Mr. Sherbert? You owe me $40. Maybe $40 is not a big enough big deal to you, but it is to me and blah, blah. So this goes on for two years. She hates me. $40, $40. So finally, they're about to get married, and I'm about to get married later that month. And this is, this is the summer of 03. And I had $40, right, which is a lot of money when you're trying to get out of college and working three jobs. But I, I, So I go and roll and take it to her a week before the wedding. Next thing you know, it's like Prince Charles was an honored guest at Dina and Phil's wedding. She showed me, this is, this is, this is Dina's good friend, JC. You know, they've been friends for forever and he's getting married later. He's just such a well-rounded, nice young man and, and blah, 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 blah. Just completely flipped her tone. <laughs> Over $40. So happy birthday, Shirley. I'll Venmo you $40 later just for old time's sake. How about just that? for old time's sake. Uh... <laughs> So anyway, that's my Phil mother, Phil's mother-in-law story. <laughs> so if you ever hear, if you ever hear me just bust out and go forty dollars, you know, the, now you'll, you'll know, know kind of where that's I'm getting. Right. So anyway, well, happy birthday to her. I, I'm yes. not. Uh, no offense, but I'm not giving her forty dollars. She's a good woman. No. She's oh, a good okay. woman. So, she there, there's a reason. Forty dollars. <laughs> Never, but never owe her any money ever. No, that's, yeah, that's, that's the lesson. Yeah, that's the lesson. That's the yeah. lesson there. But, mm -hmm. but if you do pay her back, she's pretty nice to you, you know. So, oh, well, that's good. Anyway, that, yeah, that Sherbert boy, he's that's, just it's a good. Peach. It's good to hear. Sounds like a wonderful lady. So, uh, you're a lucky yeah, man, yeah. Phil. Oh, I am. She has I her am. moments. She, is. she, has she her is, moments. Uh, you know. She's an angel. She's an angel. <laughs> Oh yes. man! Right, let's get off the subject real quick. All right, please. Somebody, <laughs> we're going to hit a We're going to hit a timeout permanently yes. as we uh, <laughs> as we protect Phil from what's yeah. more than likely headed in his uh, his immediate direction. Um, uh, JC, just before we came on the air, though, as a matter of fact, uh, you did shift a crystal ball pick in favor of the Gamecocks for one of their current targets. Absolutely. And uh, I want everybody to know, because I think sometimes, 
you know, when you're dealing with a recruiting board, sort of like South Carolina's is, uh, where there's just it's not a very deep board. You know, they they tend to kind of go after their top couple of guys and you know then move to the portal pretty quick. But you know, I, I want to make clear this one does not have anything to do with Keelan Adams going to Virginia Tech or Jonathan Paylor going potentially to NC State. Uh, Zamarian Lang from Palmetto, Florida. I entered a crystal ball with him. I think he decides Sunday. It's Carolina, Pitt, and UCF, maybe. Carolina, Pitt, and one more. Maybe North Carolina. I'll have to look at it. USF. USF. Okay. I know Pitt. I know Pitt's right there. And if you know anything about Pitt and their ability to evaluate players with Pat Narduzzi, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, people used to credit Mark D'Antonio a lot with Michigan State, and, and he deserves all the credit in the world. Gamecock alum, by the way. Uh, but Narduzzi was huge with, with those evaluations. Urban Meyer even said, told his staff at Ohio State, if Michigan State offers somebody, I want, I want, to, I want everybody on the staff to rewatch the film, mm-hmm. you know, because they're good at picking them. So there you go. This kid's a high three stars, Amarian Lang. He's going to start out at receiver in the receiver so, room, most likely, but, but they love him at corner too. So he could go either way. So my point is, this guy was going to be a take either way. Uh, just because he can go in either direction. Let me let me let me interrupt you real quick here because he has been the quarterback at his high school, uh, JC. Yeah. And one of the things that I have, uh, if I've learned anything in recruiting over the years, I've learned this. Much like Coach Tanner used to do, and a lot of college baseball coaches do with high school shortstops. Um, a lot of college coaches will do the same with high school quarterbacks. High school shortstops are generally the best player and athlete on the team in baseball, and generally that's the way that it is with high school quarterbacks as well. Uh, and and so I wanted to ask this question. Is it possible – I'm sure that it is possible. Let me rephrase that. Is it more than likely down the road for those that love the star system, respectfully, that because this young man has played quarterback for his team down in Palmetto, Florida, um, that his stock will rise as uh, as uh, you, you kind of put all the information together. He's not going to be a co- college quarterback. He will be playing on the outside somewhere, whether it's on offense or defense. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And then this happens frequently. And, and guys like that, I don't want to say they get punished by the recruiting industry, but they're so hard to project. Sure. Uh, even even Stefan Gilmore, as good as he was. And um, I, I Stefan was one of the classes I was with ESPN. And uh, so I wasn't really, you know, like Tom Luganville and those guys did the rankings. I just kind of gave my opinion and, and, and moved on. And they actually had Stefan higher than a lot of places, but Stefan was hard to project because you, you didn't see him uh, when he trotted out there at corner in high school, nobody ever threw the ball toward him, you know? Right. Uh, right. And he made all these electric plays offensively as a quarterback. Um, as we also, in the, in the, in the 09 Clemson game, we saw a little bit of that, didn't we? Uh, you know, and, and, and he was really good, great player, but he's hard to project. But the, 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 the reason why he should have been a five-star and he was a top 10 pick was because this was a case where analysts overthought it and they should have listened to two people, Ellis Johnson and Nick Saban, because Ellis Johnson and Nick Saban were both, this is an elite corner. And Stefan started from day one, saved the game at NC state as a true freshman. You remember he yeah. broke up that pass. It was in that seven to three ball game up there. Yep. You remember sure that? Do. That was, yeah. what a that was his, game, that was his uh, debut. Yeah. And started every bit of the way. 
Um, caught some flack. It's funny because he caught flack in 2010 because Carolina's safety play was kind of iffy. And so you'd see Stefan chasing guys down like he, like he was beat on the play if you're following the ball. And he actually what? He actually was trying to cover for other guys' assignments and stuff. And we've seen that play out in the NFL. He's an elite, elite talent. Uh, probably would be, you know, up there with guys, you know, name your outstanding South Carolina defensive back through the years. I mean, Stefan would be on the list. If, you, if you're trying to pick one and you had three options, Stefan would definitely be on there. Uh, and he was a high school quarterback. I mean, uh, this uh, Eric Berry. Uh, who played at Tennessee, safety, started safety for the Chiefs. He was a high school quarterback. Eric Berry. Yeah, D.Q. Smith, high school quarterback. Mm -hmm. Eric Berry. Yeah, and and I was wrong. I was wrong on Berry because I thought Berry was a corner, and Tennessee was like, He was a a great football player at Tennessee. Tremendous. I mean, and and I I remember watching the practice. blast to watch play, yeah. I remember watching the practice one day. I went down to to Creek, Creekside High School down in Atlanta, wherever he went, and uh, watched him practice, and he was quarterback quarterbacking you know and that that's a that's not a bad strategy when you when you go and and you you can find the guys because what if Zamarian Lang for example was just a corner Mm -hmm. and it specialized and gone to camps to play corner and won one-on-one battles and all this other stuff or just a receiver you know he probably would have a little bit more of but um you know that that's that when you're South Carolina that you recruit as many of these guys that you love as possible And I'll tell you now, it's, it's Torian Gray that's, that's led the charge for him. So that's uh, Torian really likes him on defense. But like I said, they're going to start. Does, Tor- does Torian weigh his little uh, ways? Uh, weigh, weigh hello. Does he wear <laughs> his little Payne Stewart hats when he recruits? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The Payne Stewart golf hat he wears? Yeah, I, I, I like he's probably, probably one of the best dressed guys. <laughs> Oh, he's well dressed. He he and Justin Step kind of take that title. So I was I was walking around Williams Bryce the weekend of the regional because uh, I stayed at Michael's at the condo, and I got up one morning and decided. Usually, I take a walk around campus. We've talked about this, and I decided, well, I'm just going to walk around Williams Bryce and walk over to the facility and just just you know just take a walk, just you know like George Strait and Pure Country, just going to take a walk. Uh, but I came back, but um. I was walking around the south end zone, and Pete Limbo almost ran over me as he was coming around the corner, and I was walking in the middle of the street, and I just kind of waved at him. He smiled like, good thing you got out of the way, jackass, because, you know, <laughs> big, you know big, 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 big Pete's coming through. Uh, but I walked right into Tory and Gray. They had some guys there that weekend and uh, visiting, and uh, it was the weekend of the second. It was a huge recruiting weekend. And I walked right into him, and I thought, Wow. If I now now if this guy was recruiting me, and I walked in, and you get all that right there, you get all this, I'd commit on the spot, no doubt. He he had the little hat on, he had sweet shoes on. I mean, the guy was flashy, smiling, had a nice watch, good stuff. Well done, Coach Gray. If you're listening, well done. All right. Anyways, back to regular scheduled programming. Go ahead, JC. I just had to get off on Torian Gray's uh, outfit. Yeah, but I mean, Zamarian Lang is is a is a nice pickup. <laughs> Didn't even break shred. You know, well, he hadn't committed I, I yet. He hadn't committed yet. Uh, if they get him, he's committing Sunday. So, so there you go. There's a little momentum for you. Um, you know, this weekend it's all about two guys. Wait uh, a second, in. Palmetto, Florida. 
Oh, yeah. It's between Braden. It's between Tampa no, no. and Braden. Yeah, but Carolina's had somebody from Palmetto. Joe before. Hills. Joseph Hills. Joe Hill. Wide receiver. Big Joe. He, uh, yeah. Big I always saw – he was one of those Spurrier Jr. guys that I just thought you – know, Spurrier Jr. didn't want to mess with him, and you know, yeah. they didn't they didn't get along. There were a lot of guys like that, and he ended up leaving. And um, I don't even know if he played, but he resurfaced in the Arena Football League a couple of years later and was a badass. Yeah, uh, Joe Hill's a 6'3", 6'4". I think he was a high school quarterback, too, to be honest. Uh, you know, Pharaoh Cooper, high school quarterback. There you go. There's another one. Um, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, well, shoot, Pharaoh's just gonna make it happen. Isn't he? Love it, but uh, I, uh, I do think that um, this that and the other, yeah, sorry, this that and the other, but uh, yeah, this is so. So that was the last one, and Joe Hills, of course, was part of that, the 07 class with Stephen Garcia and and you know Pat DeMarco and all those guys that he was part of that Florida contingent that the Gamecocks got that year. Yeah, Pat DeMarco is. Uh, in my opinion, the greatest player to ever come from the state of Florida. I'm just going to go on record and say that. Nobody in the history of the state of Florida that's ever come out has been better than my man, Pat DeMarco. There. He, he's one of them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, BRC asked if Fenton for South Fenton. Rashad Fenton was from Fort Lauderdale area, like Broward County. Yeah. Um, and, and was a late pickup. Like, Carolina does, does pretty well. And, and it's not late right now. Uh, obviously, no. but when they go down to Florida hunting guys over the years, they've been pretty good. Sky Moore and Rashad Fenton, they came up with because they lost Mark Fields and uh, one year, and then that Matt Rowling kid that they caused one of the biggest meltdowns in Big Big Spur history. It's funny that must champ flip Matt so, Rowling. So whatever happened to him? He got hurt and never played. Oh wait, I mean, I, I it sucks. I'm like I feel terrible for that young man. I I don't mean it. I don't mean it to be funny at all but wait a second you mean people who obsessed themselves over recruiting all the time freaked out and broke their televisions and drank over drank and passed out in the street and dressed up in women's clothing clothing and all this other stuff over this matt rolling kid a, a guy that didn't, never really impacted the sport of college football in any way shape or form that happened wait no people freaked out over a kid that didn't come to school and the kid never did anything Oh well, my God! You'd think that life moves on if somebody didn't commit to your program. The, the other side of that bun, the other side of the bun on that sloppy Joe of poop sandwich you just served up, uh, is that Sky Moore would have never been in the class. He would have been at Rutgers. Oh, had South Carolina held on to him. Oh man, he'd have never had Sky Moore. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, it's kind it's kind of funny how things work out, right? I mean, it, 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 you know, you look at the linebacker spot in Muschamp's, Muschamp's best year, Brunson and, and Moore. Uh, the old staff didn't want Brunson either. He was going to Louisville. And one of the first things Muschamp did was flip Brunson from Louisville at Rich, from Richland Northeast. And those guys, you talk about linebackers, those guys were pretty solid. They, they were probably one of the more solid bows at that position in the last 10 years. So it's just fun. It's funny how things work out in reality. Versus how yep. we think they're going to work out with recruiting. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get mad at anybody for being passionate about recruiting because, like I said, I wouldn't have the career I have if people weren't. But there is a lot of overreaction that does take place, and a lot of unnecessary oh. stress and worry uh, at times. Um, and all, a lot of coaches will tell you this too: what they do internally, they don't like it when they lose guys either that they want. I mean, it, it they take it like a loss. 
Right. But the the best thing is uh, the, the best thing to do is just to focus on you who you can get and who you do get, uh, and, and move forward. And and that works out for a lot of staffs uh, when they do lose guys. So there you go. Yeah, I totally agree. Things uh, things tend to work out. In the words of one Tony Morell, the numbers always work out. We'll leave we'll leave that there. Uh, Joel, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what what Daily Muschamps segment you're talking about, but he did coach here, and sometimes his name might come up, and that's the way the cookie crumbles, in the words of <laughs> one Jim Carrey. All right, it's 11:23 on this uh, Wednesday. It's Hump Day, July the 26th. We need to step aside for a quick timeout we're built by the barn Doe co and painted garnet and black by a couple of painters let me paint something.com we'll be right back welcome home that's what the gamecocks say and so does the barn Doe company where they can build your dream home starting as low as 160 dollars per square foot if you live in the carolinas georgia or tennessee their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details make your dream a reality visit the barndominiumco.com that's the barndominiumco.com the barn Doe company gamecock owned and operated welcome to travelingcountryclub.com your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show garnet and black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com
Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks of the show. First hour of the show brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate. Proud to partner with Cindy. I believe we're going to keep our partnership going. Just recently found out, so that's awesome. Give Cindy a call, 864 414 5271. Is how to get in touch with her for all your upstate residential real estate needs. You know, JC, one of the things that we hit on yesterday, we you had to dip out a little bit early, um, was the quarterback conversation that is beginning to be had nationally uh, between, or I guess involving both Drake May and Spencer Rattler, whom you just saw right there, who, from what I understand, plans to pack. A uh, whole, uh, whole bags worth of cigars to take to Charlotte um, this coming year. They're going to leave the mayonnaise at home and just take the cigars, and, and maybe that'll all work out for Gamecock football. But it, but it, but it's when you actually you know bring some statistics into this conversation as opposed to having it just with hype. You, you kind of wonder, you kind of wonder sometimes <laughs> what's going on out there. Um, and I mentioned this yesterday and, and this is kind of what we're sliding back into this conversation again. And I know we got Keith coming up here in just a little bit, so we'll, we'll shorten the segment and then we'll let Keith be a part of this as well. But, um, you know, do you know which quarterback finished last year on a better note than the other JC? I think. They both finished pretty good. South Carolina no, won more games. They didn't. They didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. Drake didn't have a good game. That, Jake, that ridiculous Drake, lost to NC State. Drake didn't have four good games, as a matter of fact. 16 of 30 for 202 against Georgia Tech. No touchdowns and a pick. They lost. 29 of 49. They lost in double OT against NC State for 233 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. 26 of 42 and a 30-point loss against Clemson. No no touchdowns and two picks. And cleaned it up a little bit, but he couldn't. If you remember the game, I watched it. We, I think a lot of us did. On uh, It was right before New Year's. They got beat by Oregon by a point. He was just 18 of 35. He did throw three touchdowns in the game. And in that stretch, he was sacked 14 times. And I know a lot of that was blamed on the offensive line, and it should have been. He was sacked 40 times last year overall. Their offensive line struggled. Uh, South Carolina's, of course, did at times, but I don't think I need to remind anybody the statistics of Spencer Rattler towards the end of the season. Here's my point. I, I, I think that, and I know on the SEC network it's different. Those guys have a job to do, number one, which is make sure that they are shining the light a little bit better on the SEC. Number two, they followed much more closely because they were covering the games uh last season right and, and as far as pregame coverage sec nation postgame coverage the whole nine yards they got to see it up close and personal but a lot of the rest of the country only wants to talk about spence uh drake may with this caveat of well you know if, if rattler can do what he did at the end of the season there you know he, he could have a really nice year could have a good game oh oh is that so oh okay so that's the only time in his career's ever done anything one number two Y'all act like North Carolina didn't play the final four games of the year. He was not any good. And I'm not saying that he's not going to be good. That's not what I'm saying. It has nothing to do with his potential maybe being the number one pick in the draft. I, I Who knows? I think he's an outstanding quarterback. All I'm saying is if it's going to be a caveat conversation with Spencer Rattler, 
can we not have one with Drake May? Or can we just maybe put them up on the same platform and say both of these guys have had really actually tremendous careers when you go look at the stats and they're going to have a chance to battle it out instead of, well, Drake's always been great and Spencer just happened to be pretty good at the end of the season. It, it's a strange narrative that's kind of taken place out there. and Nobody actually goes back and does the research and goes, well, I'll be damned, North Carolina lost four straight games at the end of the year and he wasn't worth a crap in any of them. Yeah, they they, they did. Um I yeah, he looks the part. Here's the thing, Rattler. I think people want to believe in Drake May, you know, um, and I think there there's been some things that have happened that have gotten the Drake May hype train going, and maybe rightfully so. I mean, Mike Morgan saw their spring game and said he's the real deal, but you know, you immediately saw like on these early draft boards Drake being kind of like what like kind of like what happened with Spencer Rattler after 2020. Uh, early draft boards, number one, number two, number one. And that happened. The other thing was Drake was probably because of his family connections. He was probably never going in the portal, but there were a lot of rumors out there. And Mac Brown even alluded to it, uh, that there was a lot of money on the table. Had he elected to go somewhere else NIL wise. Uh, and, and I don't feel bad saying that because uh, Mike, uh, or sorry, Mac Brown talked about it. Um, but his family's a Tar Heel, yeah, you know, through and through, and and, and sure. I, I doubt I doubt he was ever leaving Chapel Hill, uh, although he was committed to Alabama uh, right. for a while. He was, um, you know, and not to piss Joel off and bring up the previous staff, but when Drake <laughs> came out, uh, Muschamp said that's the one guy he's special up there, you know. So so a lot of coaches sure. love the guy is what I'm saying. Um, and, and I think that I don't want to say hype because it, that sounds like I'm saying he's overrated or whatever, but I think a lot of that off season narrative, uh, has pushed the focus on him more so than Spencer, but I'm going to tell you this. I don't think that's a bad thing for, Kevin. I don't either. No, I, I don't think, either. I, I think Spencer's good. I think he hears it. He sees it. I mean, he's, and he's the type of kid that'll respond to that, you know, and, and respond in a major way. And, and I think he's got the system in place to do it. And I think he's got the playmakers around him this year to really have a nice season. Yeah. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I think Quantrell hit the, hit the nail on the uh, neck, man. Ooh. You're overworking me, JC hit the I nail know, on the you, head. You, uh, you rest JB. Quantrell said, yeah, Drake may is projected to be the number one uh, or number two pick point blank. That's the narrative TV people want to go towards. Absolutely. I, I, I absolutely understand that. And, and I think you, you're spot on when you say that. He he uh he didn't beat anybody last year. Who he beat? Wake. All right. Who else yeah, he beat? They, who they, who they, they beat? They, they had those two. Uh, be, oh, he beat Pitt. All right. Nice. Out of State was, yeah. a, was a big yeah. big crazy win, and then they struggled with Georgia right. State. I mean, I didn't know that they. I didn't think they would get out of those two games undefeated. Uh, at App State and at Georgia State, they had a weird schedule. They played in Week Zero against FAMU and struggled yeah. half that game, and then. You know, I thought App State had beaten them. App State was up, what, North Carolina got up two touchdowns and App State roared back and was up two. It's a crazy game, 63-61. And then they went to Georgia State the week after Georgia State left the place here in Columbia and and eked out a 35-28 win. Uh, And then that gave them some confidence, and they started winning games and, and beating some teams and sort of backed into the division title 
you know, uh, but they lost to NC State again. They they lost to a the loss to Georgia Tech just kind of you know South Carolina bad loss to Florida bad loss to Missouri, but nothing like that Georgia Tech team that was just not competitive till their till till uh, Brent Key took over, and really does not have talent wise should not even been on the same field uh, as North Carolina. So. Uh, it is interesting, and nobody, nobody, nobody looks at that. You know, no, nobody's kind of looking at that. And well, let's see, I, and you know. and not and not only just that though. There's a there there is a a common thread here with these two. I think elite quarterbacks. Um, I think that people are also missing this. They both have new offensive coordinators this year. Chip Lindsay is the new OC at North Carolina. Now, Chip Lindsay has spent the last six years of his life traveling literally coast to coast to find a job. So who knows where he'll be in 2024. But you've got Dow Loggins in his first season running an offense in college football. And I'm what I'm really interested in over the next month as both of these teams prepare for the season is, is it a Chip Lindsay style offense that I, don't, I guess he has a style, I'm assuming, I don't know. Uh, that is going to mesh with what Drake made brings to the table, or is it Dowell Loggins bringing that NFL mentality and understanding of what it takes to, to play at that level versus what it takes to play at the collegiate level and, and making sure that this offense fits, fits Spencer Rattler and its talent around it. it you've got a couple of different angles to come at the conversation, but nonetheless, both of these young men have been getting used to having a different play caller this coming season, that's something else that hasn't been talked about. Yeah, I think one thing that's kind of being, you know, not said again is, you know, they, they've got a common opponent between the two of them last year, and it's not like one of them played one team early in the year and the other late. They were exactly one week apart. <laughs> and just right. look at the different performances in those games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I, I just, I again, I, maybe – and I, it's that's going to be a ridiculous comment, but there, there are there are more of us here, obviously covering South Carolina locally, who have watched what has been going on with Spencer Rattler since he arrived to South Carolina. We've heard the conversations that have been had about him. We've heard the conversations that have been had with him, uh, you know, both publicly and privately. Uh, we've heard the press conferences. How many times last year, uh, guys, did we have to go back and forth kind of reading in between the lines what Marcus Satterfield was trying to say, and then we're all scratching our heads going, well, no wonder, you know, they're a little bit confused out there. Um, and and then we've seen this kid kind of reemerge as the Spencer Rattler that everybody was pretty sure that Shane, Shane Beamer had signed. So, you know, the rest of the country hasn't paid that close attention to it. But this group of people has, not just on this screen. I'm talking about the people that cover cover it locally. So we see it a little bit differently, and we're going to defend him a little bit more because I think he does need some defense uh, instead of just the same old, same old narrative of, quote, unquote, well, what kind of Spencer Rattler are we going to get? I'll just leave it at this. We'll go to break because Keith's up next. What kind of Drake Mayer are they going to get? Are they going to get the last four games that he played in, or are they going to get the first you know, nine games that he played in. I guess we'll find out on September the 2nd. We know what Keith Alsep will get. It's the bald one. He's up next here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. Coast to Coast Realty SC.com is where you can find our staff, and you can always reach out to me here as well. Go Gamecocks. Cool Joe will you? And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award winning, it'll melt in your mouth, it's good on a cracker, it's good in a bowl, it's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. back everybody inside the Gamecocks the show we're joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line and none other than Keith Alsep Gamecock Pod Daily Gamecock Pod Live every Wednesday which is today so Keith could be live later today good to see you Keith it's always great to fit, see a fellow domer that's uh, right the, that's the right. other two guys just cover their heads up or something that's right <laughs> Various state of hiding. I was like, you really wonder what JB looks like under that hat. <laughs> I, I just want to make no, sure. No. <laughs> I just want to make sure everybody can see uh, the shirt that uh, I'm wearing today. Very, uh, very important shirt. It it is the single most important 
thing and should be the single most important mission at the University of South Carolina is to make sure the collectives have plenty of money because you know what? We had that there uh, black magic season in 1984 record student applications. When Steve Spurrier 2010 through 2013 was winning I don't know what 42 games in those four seasons. Mm-hmm. Record student applications, record enrollments. College athletics is the cover of the book. It is the front lawn of your house. It's the first thing and the most important thing people see because you can't buy it when the students are storming the field after Spencer Rattler's counting the number of touchdown passes on two hands against the number five team in the country. And Chris Fowler is losing his voice in disbelief. You can't replicate that with dollars. And that only happens because you have special student athletes that you can get to your campus because of name, image, and likeness that you can keep on your campus because of name, image, and likeness and that you can publicize and promote because of name, image, and likeness. And tip of the hat to JC and Carolina Rise for essentially saving Park Avenue from going away because it was going away. And well, so that's, 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 an uh, that's my message. It's more important than buildings or facilities because God knows we got plenty of them now and there's plenty more that are coming. We all know that. It's about players. It's, it's like uh, my man said, it's about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. That was uh, Coach Davey that was at Notre Dame. Football. Remember well, Car- when he went to TV? He's like, this football team, Bob Davey. <laughs> Bob Davey, that's right. He was like, I want to tell you about this football team, ball. <laughs> he's well, right, you, you know. Well, you're, you're, yeah, you're not wrong, and 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 the future of Carolina Rise is brighter than the brightest star, as you will all find out very soon. Um, one of those Jimmies for South Carolina is Spencer Rattler, Keith, and the. Uh, I'm anxious to hear the next 30 days of coverage of this game with the now announcement that College Game Day is going to be in the Queen City, set up outside of Bank of America. This will, of course, will be one of the two major quarterback battles that they will highlight the. Other one will be following on uh, Sunday evening on ABC uh, down in Orlando between LSU and Florida State. I've just pointed out some things that people continue to leave out of the conversation, though, and that's while Spencer Rattler had a fantastic last couple, uh, really last three games for South Carolina, if you include the Notre Dame loss, he played well in the game. Um, Drake May didn't have as much success in the last four games of his season. How would you interpret this conversation moving forward 
Well, I mean, look, North Carolina is a national brand. Mac Brown is a media darling, but you know that that Beamer guy, uh, he's kind of following in his daddy's footsteps with that. But here's the thing, too. I mean, as my dearly departed friend Brad Lawen used to say, winning the ACC was like winning the tallest midget contest. Mm-hmm. I know that's not politically correct to say that. His words. Little people. More dirt on his grave, but let's just say the tallest little person. <laughs> You're okay on this show, you know. Yeah, All right. okay. We don't have to use things so, like slight Look, I remember, I remember watching North Carolina having to come from behind to beat Duke, and the officials were helping them mightily on the ACC network, the late night games. And I just think, based off what I was told by multiple people, in, including by a family of a now North Carolina commitment who, quite frankly, I think is better than Keelan Adams and, and probably should have been recruited by South Carolina, that their program is soft. That is the – just like Texas at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and I do not think South Carolina should lose this game. Obviously, it's – a shocker that I have a strong opinion about something, but um, look, you don't spend 17 years in the national football league. If you don't know what you're doing. Okay. The former guy had a cup of coffee in the national football league and thought he was going to run 110 plays and 18 personnel groupings. And Dow Loggins in the first five minutes said you can't do that in college football because right. it's not your job. The field is different. The game is different. The key is making it simple for your players so they can play free, can play fast, and it's about getting the ball to your players in space and using the hash marks to do that because in the NFL you really can't do that. And that's why I think, all the, the naysayers and the question marks about dial logins are going to be settled because, Jamie, as you so eloquently put it yesterday, Spencer Rattler is going to be surrounded by 35 years' worth of college football experience in that game with the playmakers that are going to play, in addition to probably some guy named Harbor that will you know, be the fastest player on the field. Or the planet. And – I mean, he may be like Jacoby Ford or the Flash. He may just be able to run backwards around the earth, and if North Carolina scores, we can just go back in time and stop it. He could be that fast. I don't know. Well, you know, one of the things, not not to, uh, you know, take this down uh, this, you know, crazy statistics-type rabbit hole, if you actually go back and look, and this might be some insight into the game, I I can't wait to – to get um, some real opinions on this down the road from some guys who understand it better than I do. But if you actually go back and look at Drake May's seat last year, the, the entire season, when when he had a rough day throwing the football, guys, is when he couldn't run the football very successfully because he is a, he is a dual-threat quarterback. And 
Now, I'm not saying that he didn't run the football, as in attempts-wise. He'd still get his 10, 11, 12, 13 attempts in there, but those would go for 25 yards or 30 yards on 13 attempts or whatever it is, as opposed to 17 or 18 attempts on 72, 70-plus yards. When they can get him out moving and running the football and, and he actually acts and works as a dual a true dual-threat quarterback, that seemingly, per last year, we, who knows what Chip Lindsey's going to bring, but last year, that was the best version of Drake May. So when you look at the ball game, it it's it you know it almost seems pretty obvious. Don't let Drake May run the football, and it almost seems really ridiculous to say this, but no, make him have to throw the football. He's going to complete passes. That's going to happen. But he's also got a chance to make some mistakes, and he might not complete as many passes that he would if he could use his legs to get guys open. I mean, that's the same with Sam Howell in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. He's just a taller Great version of Sam Howell. And so, so – The Longo you, offense. Yeah, there you go. Well, kind of. it's not, not going to be the Longo offense. Here's what I say. South Carolina may got a massive upgrade at offensive coordinator. Phil Longo is at Wisconsin now, and the vagabond – uh, that is Chip Lindsey, I think that's a massive downgrade, Yeah, quite frankly, from Phil Longo, who's one of the most respected minds in college football, particularly when it comes to maximizing his quarterbacks in the passing game. And, you know, you talked about Drake May getting out and running. Look, that everybody knew one of the best things – Almost everybody, uh, Captain Dumbass didn't know that. That's what we call the former guy on my podcast. Uh, that when you got Spencer Rattler out of the pocket on the move, on design, boots, waggles, and rollouts, he was elite in short, intermediate, and deep passes. You rarely saw it happen, but I bet we all know and remember one time it happened, and that was – at Frank Howard Field when he threw an absolute dime to Juice Wells for a touchdown. That was a huge momentum shift in that football game. Yeah. And he threw it uh, – he, he threw it on, literally like to one blade of grass in that yes. ballpark. And that's the only place that it could have been caught, and it was, <laughs> and taken into the end zone. I'm with you, and, and – um, Michael Flint used to say that all the time. Uh, and, hey, you if you move the pocket and you get him outside and you reestablish the pocket, he he is unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He's, he, he's as good as anybody in the country, Keith. I think it's something that a guy like Dow Loggins, as you just mentioned, I'm sure he's seen that on tape. He understands what that means. He's clearly coached in the NFL, and I'll be anxious to see how much – that becomes part of the game. It can't, be, it can't be every part of the game. We know that. But it can be a part of the game, and it should have been sooner last year. So I had, after the season, uh, the SEC stat cat. Everybody mm -hmm. know that Twitter account? He yeah. does a great job putting the analytics out. And he said it, it almost exploded. His head almost exploded uh, when he broke it down. This past season, Spencer Rattler outside the pocket versus his time at Oklahoma, and he couldn't understand why it was not utilized more. 
and he laid out every single statistic like you know zero to 10 yards 10 to uh, 20 yards over 20 yards how elite spencer rattler was on the move i mean i still remember the texas a&m game i think it was maybe towards the end of the first half and rattler was running for his life and it was going towards the zone uh and and the terrace Mm-hmm. And he threw an absolute laser to Xavier Leggett, and it knocked Xavier Leggett down, and he dropped it. He threw it so hard. But right. It hit him, like, right in the hands, and he just couldn't hold it. But, I mean, again, it, it was a laser. It was like a, a sniper round coming out of his hand. It was so accurate and so – it just got there on him so fast. Just out of curiosity, this is a question I'm, I'm polling the audience here, starting with the three of you, but if anybody else can really truly remember one, remind me. Can you remember a larger quarterback matchup going into a game than this one? involving? I'm talking about involving a South Carolina starting quarterback, two guys of this stature. I think I'd it was have 19, to go back ways. 1987, South Carolina, Miami to open the season on that was ESPN. 80, that was 86, dude. Maybe it was 86. Uh, Vinny Testaverde <laughs> and Todd Ellis. And That's Todd right. Ellis, 80, yeah. 80, 87 was at the end of season with the fight. Yeah, where we won the at, fight after they right, gave dude. Todd Ellis a concussion. Yeah. I actually was at that game in 87 at the Orange Bowl. So yeah, that's, that's why that's a, I remembered that. That's a that's a great one. I, I mean, I was trying to go. I, I had gotten back as far as because I don't mean this disrespectfully to any again any of the guys that I'm very very close with, guys like Stephen Garcia and things of that nature. But Stephen, at the time, you know, he wasn't he was considered a great quarterback, but he wasn't considered anything close to the level that Spencer is, of course, with all the national attention he's received over the years. I, I went as far back as Tannehill, and I was trying to think of all the QBs that Tannehill you know, played against, but Mike, Mike Bobo, Mike Bobo. Well, but an opener, an opener uh, though, Keith. Uh, yeah. Wasn't an yeah. Opener. Well, I guess it doesn't have to be an opener. Was Mike Bobo the quarterback at Georgia in 93? Ooh. No, nah, yeah. I think he was right out. It was Eric Zier. It was no Eric Zier versus Steve Tannehill, 93. Uh, that would have been probably, although it was on Jefferson pilot. <laughs> you know, I don't, well, that's true. Knows. What about just in general, though? What about just in general? Guys, you're talking about a South Carolina surefire, seemingly, as it stands today, draft pick. I mean, I can't imagine Spitz Rattler isn't going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted somewhere. What? Carolina has not had a quarterback drafted since Todd what? Ellis, right? Which is am- amazing to me. Um, has there ever been, a like, going into the game, you got this QB? It doesn't matter if it was the first game. It could be any other game. Danny Hill, right? Those teams weren't any well, good. Yeah. That game with Anthony that he got hurt, and he mentioned this, they were kind of saying against maybe Peyton. it was more internally, like because yeah, it was against Peyton Manning and and, and uh, was it Peyton? Yeah, 90, yeah. 96 or ninety seven. That was Peyton's last year. Last year, yeah. And the, 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 again, that game was a new kickoff on Jefferson Pilot. I can't think of anything like this. And you mentioned the quarterback draft drought at the school. I mean, 
it, it kind of makes sense. But yeah, Keith, that that Todd because Todd was the number one recruit in the country, and making his debut as a redshirt freshman at Williams Bryce on ESPN when it was hard to get on ESPN back then, and Testa Verde and them just blitzed Carolina and thirty four nothing. But Todd threw two touchdowns late and thirty four fourteen, and uh, I can't remember. I can't believe I remember that it was thirty six years ago, but. Uh, uh, I remember watching it. And then the next year, down the, down to the OB, it was on because Carolina was much better. But um, that's the last, like, hyped quarterback battle, JB, I can remember around here like this. I mean, we all – I mean, we all loved Connor Shaw and, and the Connor Shaw-Taj boys matchups were awesome. But I don't know that the, the whole I, country was you – know. No, they weren't. I think it was uh, the Jadavian clowney Taj board matchups. <laughs> or Brandon Thomas. How many times did Jay, did Clowney jump over that dude? I mean, it was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> dude, dude was like, I'm not going to ever lose to Clemson. And he did everything he could to never lose to Clemson, man. He, that guy, whoa. Him and Tommy Suggs. That's like the only guy. Yeah. 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 That's it. Well, Gar- Garcia one. never lost a, a start to them, but he was on the 08 team that lost. But Gar- Garcia, four and one combined against Georgia and Clemson as a starter. I'm, yeah. That's pretty he'll re- good. He'll yeah, remind you of that, that too. Yeah. He'll remind yeah, you of shoot, that. Steven, Steven he'll, re- he'll remind you a lot of, you know, I, he'll also tell you, well, you know, I beat Florida and I, I beat Alabama and, uh, you know, he did. I beat, I, I mean, hey, some of the right best here. wins that, that Carolina's had. I mean, people forget in that crazy 45-42 win at Georgia that year with a fake punt. People forget Carolina was on its heels early in that game. Bobo was dialing them up for Georgia. Yeah, Jimmy Legree yeah. looked like he's playing on roller skates. I mean, it was it was a tough, tough situation. People forget, like, as much as they were struggling, all of a sudden Garcia throws a, just a beautiful fade pass Strike. to Alshon in the end zone and boom, gets him back on board, you know, and, and things like, things like that. He completed a fourth down slant pattern late in that game too. Yeah. So I was at, I was at that game. That pass was actually a broken play. Garcia had scrambled outside of the pocket and he just threw it up. You know, that was, he, he trusted Alshon and he just threw it up and Alshon went and got it, but there was a huge fourth down, uh, Slant pass to Ace Sanders in that game uh, for a first down. I mean, it was absolutely huge. My my favorite Stephen Garcia play is when he just absolutely trucks Will Hill down there mm-hmm. near the goal line and runs in for the touchdown. And he he flexed on him like DJ Swearinger did on uh, Ellington at, at Clemson in 2012. Yeah, he had. <laughs> hey, you know what? I then he probably I... went to the sideline and had a PBR too. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. PBR, baby. I would, I would, uh, I would take, uh, I would take the a uh, hundred Stephen Garcias on the field today <laughs> because he he played only if they're sober, That's at least right. for forty eight hours prior to the game. That's right. My, uh, I don't, I don't know how many times we saw that. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. My friend Kevin at Bingo Nights, probably one of the best human beings I've ever met. He co-owns the bar we go to, and in the Navy, and just an all-around great guy. He he kind of he kind of spilled the beans on his his beer was like PBR old style and Bush Light, and I'm like, dude, why don't you just 
take motor oil and mix it with water and drink it. I'm like, wow. So anyway, I just want to make that point about PBR. I hope they don't decide to sponsor the show. Yeah, well, they. I hope they do. I hope they do. Actually, that'd be it'd be nice I, to have their I, I money. Just couldn't believe somebody, okay, those are your three favorite <laughs> beers, huh? That's yeah, weird. yeah, that's right. Well, I, I know, I know one you didn't say, Keith. We got to let you run on that note, man. We got some news to get to, uh, and uh, it's the top of the hour. And Mad Dog, Mad Dog, don't like being late. All right, so my Zamarian Lang comparison, Xavier Leggett, both okay. from AA schools. Very long, good one. Lean, play quarterback, play wide receiver, do everything. I watched this film before I came on. Really explosive uh, athlete. I, I like it a lot. And I'm anxious to see what he does. He's moving to Sarasota Riverview, which is big time. Florida football. It's a 5A school, I think. Yeah. And so I'm anxious to see Great what point. he does as a wide receiver as a senior. Probably uh, if he do, if he does well, uh, more than likely will shoot up those recruiting rankings. Uh, no, he'd probably drop him. So. Well, that's true. Yeah, the, the old classic <laughs> at least on At least on one particular network. So they don't <laughs> seem to like our guys. You're coming up at uh, one o'clock. So I will everybody... be joined by Ben Briner to do a deep dive on South Carolina's offense. We're going to do uh, an hour on previewing South Carolina's offense. And then uh, hopefully next week we'll be able to get him back uh, to go in-depth on South Carolina's defense as well. Ben Briner, one of the best in the business and an asset at thebigspur.com. And it was a huge loss to the state in Go Gamecocks uh, when he left. We call him Big Brain Ben because he's got a great brain, loves film work and loves the game and Certainly, I got a lot of respect for him, and uh, I'm sure everybody will look forward to hearing that, Keith. So that's good. All right, bud. Thanks so All much. All right, guys. Thank you, Take Keith. Yes, sir. Thank you, Keith. There mm-hmm. you go. Keith yeah. all set with uh, Gamecock, Gamecock Pod live and daily. All right, it's 12.05. Got to hit a timeout. We are teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com, the coolest club in the Carolinas. 45 golf courses. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you play golf and you're not a member, I'm telling you right now, you're missing out. I'm using Traveling Country Club to play golf here in just a couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, and I can't wait. Can't wait to get back, too. Hang tight. We'll see you in a minute. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS Headbanging Phil. Hey, I used to have long hair at one point in my life. <laughs> hey, Not just hair. Sure. Long Y'all hair. remember the commercial with uh, <laughs> what was the little guy from ESPN uh, who covered the NFL? Uh, John uh, Clayton. John Clayton. Clayton. You remember that yes. commercial where he was the yes. headbanger? Remember that commercial? Late John Clayton, right? Hasn't he passed? Oh, I don't know. Dave. He did. He did. Yeah, he did. I liked him. I really did like him. I did too. Do you remember that spot I'm talking about? He, he, oh yeah, yeah. It, it was the headbanger. <laughs> yeah, it was like set because he was still uh, as if he were still living with his mother. I believe was the setup on that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> like a lot of uh, if he only knew, he was foreshadowing for this thing called Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> Could you imagine how lit the stadium would be if they played that version of Sandstorm? Well, the version of Sandstorm that they play isn't too shabby. To be honest. Well, no, not bad. I mean, you know, they, you know, nothing beats the original, but man. Uh, welcome back. It's 12.09 inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. And live from the Sinorama Studios. We might have something neat coming down the road here for those planning to go to Charlotte. Uh, working with Sinorama. So uh, stay tuned for that. That is not, by the way, the news that we will be getting into on Monday, July 31st. But no, could be, I guess, a part of it if we want it to be. Um, JC, uh, we'll, we'll get to this question here in just a little bit. It actually is a, it's a, it's a very relevant question uh, to college football. Brad Crawford asked it and answered it for all 14 SEC teams every team's or what is every team's most important swing game so we'll we'll come back to that here in just a little bit but as part of those swing games there will be freshmen on the field and i know you've got 
what I would say are pretty good sources at South Carolina. I've got some pretty good ones myself. And as Shane Beamer has been open about over the last few weeks, he mentioned it yesterday with you and Mike on JC and Morgan, and he's mentioned it at SEC Media Days and a couple of other hits. Matter of fact, I talked to him about some of this last week when he was down here. Um, freshmen are going to play this year. Uh, they're not a team full of freshmen, but they feel fairly comfortable about the freshmen that they plan to get on the field. So what is the latest on your end? Well, it was like Beamer. It was like Beamer said yesterday. Uh, you know, there's going to be in the two deep a lot of freshmen playing. Um, y'all, and I'll say this to kind of comfort everybody before you start hearing that we're young. Oh, we're young again. Blah 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 blah. Well, a lot of teams are young, and in college football these days, with the roster transition, especially in year three of a coach you're going to sometimes be young because the, the other guys, players he left are starting to leave and uh, things like that. But, uh, and chances are you've recruited better in your second and third classes than your first. Uh, but I'll, I'll remind everybody of Dabo Sweeney. I think the year he won the national championship, he was like, we're the youngest team in the country. And everybody's like, bull crap, right? And then you look and you're like, oh, sure enough, you know, most of your roster is pretty young and, and all that. And then that sort of set them up for when Trevor and those guys took over to continue to be good. Uh, and, and that, I'm not saying South Carolina's going to win a national championship. Don't, 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 don't write me down there. But it's a similar setup where, like that year, Clemson had a lot of veterans uh, in one end of it. But the majority of the team was young. Uh, their core guys were all a little older, um, right, with Deshaun and those guys. So that's the way it's going to be this year. Spencer, Juice, they're all older. on Jordan's older. The starting offensive line is going to be somewhat old. You know, Josh Simon and Trey Knox, even though they're, you know, newcomers technically, they're old. But then, you know, behind – let's look at just tight end. Behind them you have Nick Elksness, who's got three years left, and then three true freshmen, maybe two. Let's call them two and a half. Um you know, and, and they're counting on Michael Smith to come in here next year and play. So that position technically is is manned by two grown men, but it's young overall, if that makes any right. sense. And so you're going to see guys like Vicari Swain, I think, in the two deep. Um, Pup Howard, I think, is a given. I think Pup Howard could end up starting. Desmond Umiazulu is going to play a lot. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of combinations where at certain positions the Gamecocks are old and young. And, and not really a whole lot in the middle. Well, I actually can't agree more with that. I mean, I you mentioned Desmond Umi as well. He's a guy who uh, – he's – I feel like they're going to feel better about him, at least based on intel, about that in the middle of the season. Um, you know, they want to get, get him in there and get him playing. But um, they also feel pretty good about some of the other guys that are going to be playing. By the way, keep an eye on Brian Thomas a guy whose name is probably going to come up a little bit more than you might think, um, at least as it stands today. But Desmond Umi Zulu is – we all knew how high they were on him coming in, and he's he's around 250 pounds now, J.C., at 6'6". Uh, that's, that's, that's good news. Um, you know, the, the other thing, too, though, like Marquis Anderson, and I know we've brought his name up over and over again, and I kind of hinted at this the other day. We were talking about the weight. Remember the weight conversation? Those lovely July football conversations you have to have because there's just not a whole lot else to get into. 
But the young man's weight differential is only five pounds, and that tells you a lot. He came in physically pretty much ready to go. Um, and uh, so hats off to him and the, the strength staff at his site, Dorman, I think, right? Um, but uh, also hats off to to South Carolina for – they didn't really reshape his body, but they kind of figured out, well, wow, okay, we're good. Now he's spent a summer picking things up, and I know that they like him. And I don't know if we'll see him in week one. I I, I would, at this point in time, venture guess they probably wouldn't, but he's going to play somewhere. He's going to get in the game. They've got to get him ready to play. They 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 are trying to figure things out there. Um, but JC, the name we've we've talked about a lot of these guys. Um, I think you've mentioned Jatavius Shivers before as a, as another name who could kind of start to emerge um, at some point in time in in fall practice. Uh, Jalon Kilgore, of course, is a dude who continues to to pop. I know you've mentioned him as far as maybe being a difference guy in the in the secondary at some point in time. But Camp, I, I don't know if they're going. I've just heard Cam, Cameron, Cameron Sandlin. He, he's a football player. Not going to be shocked to see him out there. Here's the thing with some of these guys, right? They have a lot of age and experience at the skill positions for South Carolina. Now, he's we know he's going to get a crack at running back. But he's a guy that they really like. And generally when coaches really like a guy who can do something, he gets a shot somewhere. And his name has come up a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, and I think it's just kind of finally time to really mention him as a potential young man who who could have an impact. Yeah. And somebody mentioned Elijah Caldwell from, from Northwestern. Hey, we were talking about late additions the other day, and uh, – uh, you know, with the uh, defensive guys from South Florida. Well, offensive guys from the state that are late additions tend to play out well, too. Uh, and I'm talking about Debo Samuel uh, mm-hmm. as one of those guys uh, that was a kind of a, a late addition uh, that turned out pretty good. And Elijah Caldwell kind of fits in that mold, in-state guy that gets the offer late. Um, you know, kind of, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me I hear good things about him based on – you know what I saw on Phil, but I mean, and the kid was—he was committed to West Virginia, so it's not like, you know, I mean, that's a that's a program that likes to throw the ball and, and has good receivers. So, uh, probably a guy that, that you're going to hear a lot about, uh, if not this year, you know, down the road. Caldwell checks one of those bigger boxes for me heading into a new season, and that he's been mentioned by one of his teammates as someone who could potentially have that breakout. That's one of the biggest things for me when you're reading between the line and reading between the line season. (laughs) Like if you're, if your teammates are talking about you, then you're getting some run on the practice field. And while, you you know, I don't, nobody's expecting Caldwell, especially at, you know, such a skilled position that's so deep for us right now. Uh, to be on the field every snap, but when he is, it would not surprise me for him to see targets and and good things happen. Yeah, I agree. I I I, I don't. I'm. Ca- I want to be cautious about him again because I I just think as good as he is, he's going to get squeezed out here and there. I mean, he's, um, you know, he's a he's a he's a basically a six foot receiver, uh, who's a young guy, who. They're, they're only going to ask him to do what he can do, right? Because they have a lot of guys out there at that position and kind of that crossover, cross-training thing with Josh Simon and what they'll do with, with Trey Knox um, that, can, that just understand the game and their playmakers. 
I, so I, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying he's not going to get in there and be a superstar. He might. Who knows? I mean, I talked to his. I know his coach quite well because he coached me, his high school coach, and um, you know, he raves about him. You know, he's a guy that he thinks is is going to have a heck of a career at South Carolina, and that's not just coming from the high school coach who wants to get something in the papers about one of his players. That's coming from a friend who would quickly tell me, you know, I, I don't know, man, it's a risky take for South Carolina. He, he, that was not even close to the conversation we've had. So he's a, but, but I just don't know how soon that's going to be, you know, with all the players that they've got out there. Um, we'll see. I, and you know, we, we haven't mentioned Xavier McLeod. I know some people get a little bit concerned with his weight. I would, I, I, I would, I wouldn't be as concerned as you might want to concern yourself. We'll put it that way. He's going to play, guys. I'm not. He's leaning. He, I mean, look, when you come out of high school and you're a big guy, and people look at, well, he lost 36 something, 36 pounds from his listed weight. There's probably 36 pounds to sweat he, off, man. Yeah, he I needed mean, to lose. Yeah. And, uh, and then he's going to be even quicker. I thought he looked really good. Uh, in the spring game from a quickness standpoint, you know, Keith, who we just had, I was always thought he was just an elite quick twitch guy for a big guy. And he'll get back up to around 305, 315 of, of muscle and things like that. Don't, I mean, he's not going to always be 284. In fact, he won't play at 284 this season. Uh, but yeah, don't, don't, don't count him out, man. Uh, he, uh, no. and he's a guy that kind of, it was kind of a journey for him guys. Cause he was on the radar as a freshman. Um, and ranked like second in the country, right? Goes to show you, don't rank guys that early, but that's a, beside the point. Uh, went through it, had offers from day one, uh, was actually committed to Carolina way before anybody knew. Right. <laughs> uh, and when it came out of Carolina, Georgia, I was like, well, he's going to stick with Carolina because he went to Georgia for the national championship celebration in, in, in February and came back and immediately was one, it was a welcome home. So to me, that's when the decision was made. But, you know, like a lot of guys that are on the radar early, I, I think I'm not going to say he slacked off, but I know the coaches at Camden weren't exactly thrilled with where he was at from a developmental standpoint and early in his senior year. And I think that adversity was good for him to face because he got it together, guys, and ended up being Mr. Football in this state. So he yeah. went from being like basically benched to being Mr. Football. And, and that, you know, that's, that, that, that's a guy that's got it in gear. I've heard nothing but great things about him since he's been at Carolina. Uh, look, look out for him. He'll be a really, really good one, and you'll see some signs of that this season. Uh, no question. I mean, everything I've heard about him is uh, is brilliant, as is Pup Howard. Look, there's a, the future of this defense, the young guys that came in on this class, there's some superstars in there. Uh, and, yeah. and, 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 and Clint, he's going he, to play at 285. Just mark it down. Just, that, that's, that's not something that they're even debating. So he'll play no matter what his weight is. So go yeah. ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, you 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 mentioned those guys. I mean, you you think about future big time players from this class on defense, and the first two names that that immediately come to mind. It's not even really close. Are Xavier McLeod and and Pup Howard? And I asked about Pup Howard, JC, and I was told, "quote When he walks in the room, you know he's there." That says a lot for a linebacker because he's 6'4", 240 as a freshman. There's there's just not a lot of linebackers that float around at that size in this league unless they have a G or an A on the side of their helmet. 
as in Georgia and Alabama. Uh, you just don't see him everywhere. But when he walks in the room, it's it, it's almost like that can't be him because that guy can't beat a freshman, but he is. So he's going to play, and and I know they're excited about him. I mean, the next thirty days are really going to be uh, unbelievably intriguing for some of these guys. Pup Howard, Pup Howard will play, and somebody will see him in the North Carolina game and understand what we're trying to get across here at this point. He's um, he's large and in charge, Phil, at that linebacker position. Yeah, I mean that is a. <laughs> you're right. That level. I mean, and even, you know, Beamer was raving about it yesterday on JC and Morgan, you know, just about his presence and, and, you know, oh yeah, the way he handles himself and, you know, inside the facility and just what kind of a football guy he is. And it's like, you just, you There's couldn't a get a more glowing representation. Yeah. I mean, you know, this guy is going to be, yeah, like you said, I mean, it'll be a freshman who, you know, will take a leadership position and Hey, if you can keep that guy around for a couple of years. Yeah. That's what oh, you want. That's how you yeah. build a real strong program is guys like that early yep. returns to a T. I mean, he walks in the room and he's, I you know, I don't even know if he knows that he's walking in the room as a leader. I, I think that's just his natural ambiance of I'm just in charge here, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take charge. Um, and I mean, <laughs> man. He's, he's going to be special for South Carolina. And I, one guy that I've admitted, and he was at the top of the list for me to mention here, guys, was Judge Collier. Judge Collier, he's a Rock Hill kid. Yeah. I don't know that a whole lot more needs to be said after that. Rock Hill DBs, man. I mean, look, the one of the hottest uh, transfer guys uh, this offseason, and South Carolina loves their young DBs and didn't really pursue him, was Fentrell Cypress from Northwestern that went to Virginia and now is at Florida State. So don't bet against Rock Hill DBs, man. There's been no. too many of them. Derek Ross, Jeff Burris back in the day, going all the way back to Rick Sanford. My man Rick Sanford was a Rock Hill kid. Yeah. Uh, First-round draft pick, all played for the New England Patriots for years. So uh, Jonathan Joseph, I mean, you know, Coe Simpson, the list goes on and on and on. Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Hobby. That's uh, – it, it is DB rich, and, and you're right about Judge. They love him. I mean, he could be – he could be another number two. Judge Collier and Vakari Swain could end up being the backup corners uh, on this team, depending on where they play guys like Spalding. Well, that's a great point. Yeah, I, 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 I he's going to play. Judge Collier's going to play. Vakari Swain's going to play. Like, they're both going to play this year. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that it would be fair to these guys if they were in this spot, and let's just pray that they're not when they get to the first game. It wouldn't be fair to just – walked him out onto the field as true freshman against a guy like Drake May. I know people probably think I was just beating him up earlier. I wasn't. I was beating up the media more than anything. Um, but that would be that would not be an ideal scenario to throw a cat into, right? It's almost like the, hey, Parker, I know you're a true freshman. Get out there and kick us a 63-yard field, field goal. You can do it. Coach, I actually can't do that. Sure you can. It's kind of a similar situation here, you know. But they're not going to have to do that because I, I mean, it's it's hard to believe any differently, guys. Jason, I haven't heard anything different from this. It's it's more than likely that O'Donnell, Fortune, and Marcellus Dial are your starting corners this year, and they feel pretty good about that. But the, look, these guys are going to play. They're going to play, and Judge Judge Collier's going to walk up and hit somebody in the mouth, very similar to what we saw Nicky Mawari do kind of early in the year last year, where you thought, okay, there's some thump in this kid, 
And um, and when that happens and he gets welcomed to college football, uh, who knows from there, right? Yeah, you, you, you never know how guys – you never know how guys are going to react. And, uh, you know, and, and look, the, what I, here's what I love about Torian Gray again. I, I think this has become the Torian Gray hour. This guy, okay, so he gets here. Uh, there aren't any safeties. <laughs> it's just not a good situation at safety. Uh, R.J. Roderick tried really hard, and uh, he's a guy that I think looked really good in practice and just never didn't carry through all, at all times in the games. But uh, So you left with him and Jalen Foster. All that happens is Jalen Foster becomes an All-American. You know, so, so Torian shows he can take over a, a group of guys and in a year get them playing at a higher level. Uh, same thing with Cam Smith and the way he developed Darius Rush. So the next year, you got Cam Smith and Gamecock fans. You know, I get asked a lot of times about guys that are in their second year. Well, what's wrong with them? Uh, I, I think somebody asked about Kyle Horton yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. What's preventing him from getting on the field? Well, it's, it's the players in front of him, number one. Number two, right. Kyle played eight-man football in high school. Uh, so there's different reasons for different guys. Don't give up on players. Uh, Darius Rush is number one. And then Cam Smith, if you remember, how did Cam Smith's career start? Surprisingly redshirted. Mm-hmm. That uh, Jamie Robinson played. Uh, and and, and I, I told everybody, Robinson has a higher floor. Cam has a higher ceiling. They both got drafted exactly where they should have been drafted. Um, and, and then the Tennessee game, my God. He was the third corner and kept getting torched, and then the ball goes off his foot. I mean – and he's just in the abyss until the Missouri game. They pick on him early. And then the light comes on in the middle of that Missouri game. And he starts balling. Yeah. I, I think that uh, Missouri's quarterback threw some crappy pass and he, he picked it off and that got him going. They became one of the best corners in the country. Right. You know, and, and, and so Torian has proven on that end that he can take a young player with potential and develop it. He's also proven because of the th- stuff Nick and DQ did last year as true freshmen. He could take a true freshman and get him going. You know, this guy, you hear about five tool players in baseball. This guy's a five tool coach. coach. Yeah. Five tool coach. He he can recruit, he can evaluate, he can develop. He's he's well respected. Players love him. Parents love him. He is an absolute superstar. Dan Mullen fired him (laughs) and replaced him with somebody that wasn't really wasn't even close. So to save uh, his own. So there, there you go about some of these decisions coaches make sometimes to get rid of assistants. Which, by the way, that that co that coincide that uh, JC that when the last year when the ludicrous offseason rumors started, well, Dan Mullen's going to go to South Carolina with uh, Shane, Shane Beamer. He, he likes Dan; they're friends. They're friends. They he are friends, but he wasn't going to let that happen. Tori and, 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 and look, I, I honestly think, and, and people may may disagree here or whatever, and, and they may have some PTSD from the Lorenzo Ward situation. But I, I honestly think that if, if Clayton White moved on and got a head coaching job or something, that, that Torian would probably be the D.C. And I think, quite frankly, he's ready to do it and probably will be uh, really good. Uh, I think as long as, you know, as long as they keep guys like Travian as the, as the coach in the front and stuff like that. But I, I think the guy, he just has one of those track records you look at and he doesn't get all the hype. Some of these other guys do, but you look at the track record and you're like, all the guys you put in the NFL, all the under the radar recruits you developed, 
And then you got five-star guys you develop, like Kendall Fuller and those guys that he put in the NFL. Uh, you know, he never rebuilds back there. He reloads. That's you right. Know, are things perfect? Do they never give up a pass? No. DBs get burnt sometimes. Sometimes that's the, the thing. So, But I, I just uh, – I can't say enough good about him. And, and Ed, to answer you, nah, it, it's not the offseason yet, but Clayton Clayton White's name's been out there for a couple of positions, you know, as far yep. as uh, – I mean, hell, he was on Notre Dame's list when they hired Marcus Freeman. Somebody had – two or three people had him on there. So he's well-respected, and uh, it, it would happen. But, um, you know, we'll see. But I, 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 that's not really more about any kind of speculation on Clayton White as it is about praising Tory and Gray and uh, telling, him, telling you guys what kind of asset – he is. And uh, Luca, I don't know anything about all, all the all, all the info I've got is from all season like workouts like seven on seven. Mm-hmm. So we'll know more about how like things like Keenan Nelson, how he's looked uh, here in a couple of weeks when they get practicing for real. But uh, he, he's in the mix to start at nickel. I'll tell you that right now. And they like him. 1231 on hump day, July the 26th, steamrolling our way to the college football season. It is now exactly one month away. This Saturday in four weeks, college football will kick off, as a matter of fact, and we'll all be excited to watch Navy and Notre Dame in Ireland. Woo! I'm going to have to watch that. We're going to boil some potatoes. Oh, yeah. And have some corned beef. Hats off. Hats off to the first lady of Inside the Gamecocks, Matt. (laughs) Big Notre Dame fan. Yeah, we'll get to it. Keeps JC alive and alive. All right, we gotta hit a uh, gotta hit a timeout. We are built by the Barn Co. and we'll be right back. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at mckellarenterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stoneblatt. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. (laughs) Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric bikes of Charleston! Electric bikes of Charleston! Electric bikes of Charleston! 
everybody yeah welcome back i was just looking at the uh like humming you like that yeah <laughs> just get to tune in your head and run with it no i was looking at the media guide here during a break this is the first time carolina and jacksonville state have played first time we've seen uh yeah game on, game on crime you know yeah. that's right yeah it's a little never mind yeah yeah first time should be a fun time the month of November is well, – I've never uh, – I don't know. In my lifetime, I can't remember four straight home games in the month of November. So, that would be a lot of, lot of, lot of miles on I-26, and um, it'll all be worth it those last couple of weeks. Well, they'll all be, they'll all be fun, but Kentucky-Clemson back-to-back, you know, there's, there's going to be 70-something thousand people in Williams-Brice Stadium who have no love loss. For anybody that walks in in blue or orange over a seven-day span. By the way, if you haven't looked at the schedule yet, uh, the Florida game this year is during the state fair. So let me just go ahead and warn all of you whom park in the uh, fairgrounds lots that uh, might want to start making reservations for somewhere else because October 11th, the Ferris wheels and the and – the, Cotton candy and everything else will be flowing, and the people that you didn't even realize exist that always magically show up to the fair will be standing where you usually are parking. <laughs> yeah, you always, I was looking around. I always look around at the fair, and I'm like, people like this are actually in the world. That is unbelievable. Where where does a person like that look in the mirror and think, you know what? This is me. <laughs> this is this is what I'm going with today, right here. Ah, this is it. Anyways, we did. Uh, I guess this is me now. Yeah, this is. This are, are, is we talk, are we talking about carnies and circus folk? No, I like the carnies. I like the carnies. I don't trust them, the, but I like the them. patrons of the state fair. Huh? The, 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 now I'm talking about the patrons who come from. I, I I don't know where they come from. I have a stat of the preseason for the two of you and to everybody else that'll watch and listen to our program. This is the stat of preseason football for South Carolina. You ready for this? It really is hard to believe that it's 100, not 125, not 150. It's 100. Shane Beamer, in his tenure, the Gamecocks are 12-1 and one when they run for 100 yards or more. 100 Just yards. Just 100, huh? That's it. 12 and 1, 100 yards. That's it. I mean, now, how relevant 
Well, I think it's it's still relevant, but they've changed offensive coordinators. Um, now, keep in mind, they beat Clemson last year with 54 yards rushing. But I was going to say, that stat doesn't make me feel so good. <laughs> well, I, that, what, what it's it tells an interesting you, one, but it was like, yeah, the way it struck me was that's not a very good stat. Yeah, I mean, well, it's pretty simple. What it tells you is they're three and ten when they don't. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you got to run for a hundred yards, and you win under Shane Beamer. I'd like to know the game that they ran for over a hundred and lost. Um, I'd have to get, probably really do some digging on that, but I'm sure we could find it somewhere. What? Do, how much? How many yards do they run for against? Against Notre Dame. I was thinking Notre Dame or maybe Florida. No, I don't think they ran for one yard against Florida, Phil. Trying to recall one of those games, there was uh, the Clemson game. They only rushed for fifty-four. Yeah, that was yeah. Well, they they crashed out one hundred and twelve against. Uh... Hey, look, I think they, uh, did you go back to the Muschamp era and the no, Spurrier no. era? Because I I think I think that record when Carolina gets to 100, 125 yards a game rushing carries over is probably yeah. pretty stellar. Because uh, failure to run the ball really has been an issue around here for a while. It, it wasn't surprising when, you know, Steve was the coach because it, you know, he, his teams, no. they were sneaky good at running it, but he, uh, you know, he, he, he'd win some games where they rushed for 20 yards. I mean, <laughs> you know, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, but it, it did surprise me later on uh, that it was like that. And I, and I think those that, uh, that always kind of say, well, Carolina really needs a dual threat quarterback. Um, I think the the wisdom in saying that, I don't I don't agree that it's always there always need to to be a dual threat quarterback here. I don't agree with that. But there is wisdom when you kind of look at it and say, well, if a program normally struggles to run the ball, having that quarterback get that extra garbage yardage, as we all saw during the Shaw Connor Shaw era, uh, yeah. is extremely helpful. Well, do, doing the stats here, I mean, oh my god. It, it it almost it makes you sick to your stomach. The game they lost at Arkansas last year, they had forty rushing yards. Forty. Four zero. Uh the game they lost against Missouri, they had thirty-five. I mean, this is pretty simple. It's not hard to figure out, guys. When they couldn't run the football under Coach Satterfield, they weren't even remotely close to in the ball game. They had forty four against Florida. This is going to be. I'm. I'm doing. I, I know this is poor. Uh, this. I should have done this in prep time. Like this is really poor. Uh, poor radio and television. And I get that. So I apologize for that. But um, I'm going to try to do some quick math on the five losses that they had last year. The Georgia game. Now they did run for 92 in that one, boys. Had they gotten eight more yards, they probably could have pulled it out. I guess. Uh, yeah. But like. <laughs> Yeah, and, 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 and Clint, Clint mentions the Florida game under Muschamp. What was so sad about that Florida game down there this year uh, is, number one, it was clear what Florida was doing. They were just stacking the box, daring them to throw and all that. But uh, and yeah, all that. Florida's the one team, Muschamp's teams, uh, ran the ball against pretty successfully. I mean, Mon Denson and A.J. Turner tore them a new gator hole. Oh. Wow. Most of the time when they played them and Tavian Feaster that one year that they got robbed on the on the bad calls in, in 19. I think Feaster had like 213 yards that game or something was a career high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go down there this year and put Hank 35 on the board, running it with Jaheim Bell straight up the middle. 
Oh, you didn't like that offense? I thought it was look. 50, that was 55, his whole. That was, by the way, that was his whole thing, though. The Satterfield era could become if South Carolina's not just able to find. And this is what's so bad about it. They didn't try to find ways to run it when they couldn't run it. I mean, there yeah. was no creativity. It was like, oh right. well, it's, 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 well, there's two things we do, and we'll, you know. By the way, the one loss, the one loss was the 45-20 defeat in Shane's first year at Tennessee. I was going to say yeah. that was not Ke- Kevin. Last year. Yeah, Kevin Harris got going with that yeah. uh, that day, and then that was what's so baffling about the, the triplet. Anyway, uh, and, and at that point, that South Carolina team in 2021 to hang in there with that Tennessee team, they needed to line up and run it all over them. And hold the ball, and that it was just a failure. But anyway, fifty-five um, is a number. Last year, their five losses, they averaged fifty-five yards per game on the ground. Yeah, I so, mean, and that was that was his whole offense was that way. I mean, it was like not only did they have to be able to run it, they had to be able to run it at will to get that thing yeah. going. Think about the big wins he that, that when he was here that they had. And I'm not, I'm taking the last two games off the table because we know structurally things changed in that one. Uh, in, in those last two against Tennessee and Clemson. But think about this, you know, like unless they're just like the Florida win, Carolina was Zaquandre White and, uh, gosh, I think everybody ran all over Florida that night. The NC, uh, the North Carolina game, yeah, he had those big passes to Bell, but Kevin Harris, the second half, was just a monster. Juju McDowell had big runs to carry on, big runs. Uh, you know, you think about the big wins he's had, he had, you know, up until Tennessee and Clemson, where things changed, it, you know, Carolina not only had to be able to run the ball, but run it at will almost to be successful. And that shows you, you know, that the plan just wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great plan. Now, thank God they got through it with 15 wins <laughs> in two years. Well, I'll take that. I thank mm-hmm. God, you know, and thank God they switched things up before Tennessee. Uh, and, and, but, but, you know, I, that's just how weird. That whole situation was, and and Clint, I'm with you. I'm gonna watch a lot of Cornhuskers football this year because I'm yeah. maybe it works in the big, maybe that'll work in the Big Ten. I don't, I don't know, but I've, I've called some press conferences out there that are kind of the same, the same rhetoric that you heard here. Week one, Nebraska at Minnesota Thursday night, eight o'clock on Fox. Uh, by the way, I, 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 I'm. This is this is uh, this is pure speculation. This is this is a. Um, Really a, a, a poor comment because you can't prove anything remotely close to this. Had they been able to average in those five losses 110 yards on the ground, they probably had at least one more win in them, if not two. And I'm I'm talking about Missouri and 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 maybe Arkansas because they just couldn't they couldn't stay on the field. Uh, the only way that they were scoring in that Arkansas game, you get some quick strikes here and there. But anyways, so. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Dow Loggins is going to attempt to run the football this year. And um, if he can do it with a bunch of guys who've never really truly done it at this level versus what we'd seen in the past, I would say that's a pretty good uh, pretty good indication that Shane Beamer made one, one heck of a hire that a lot of people were wondering why he was making that hire. Also, I don't think – here's just another little nugget. Again, these are a couple of things we'll carry into August and we'll kind of continue to bring this up. I, I just – I don't know if people are thinking about it like this, so I'm going to say it this way. Two out of the first three weeks of the season, your South Carolina Gamecocks are playing in the two primetime spots in college football. Yeah. There are no bigger spots than ABC Saturday night and CBS – 
uh, SEC game of the week. As college football is structured today, that is no disrespect to Fox. They just haven't gotten the ratings yet. There's nothing bigger than ABC at 7.30 and CBS at 3.30. And all of you, your Gamecocks, are playing in two of those three games to open the season. That's, it's a, it's, it is quite the hat tip to Shane Beamer and uh, what they have done thus far. So we got game day in week one. Do you think we get SEC Nation at uh, week three? Um, you know what, Phil? That's a that's a really interesting question. Let's see what the conference schedule is that week. I don't I haven't looked at it. I haven't either. Uh, well, I have. Yeah. Well, come on, who am I lying? Yeah, well, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, but, uh, I don't have it I in front of me. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You, you you've got Tennessee and Florida, so that's probably obviously. Uh, yeah, that's going to depend though on how Florida does against Utah. Um, you know, Florida can't beat Utah. I mean, I, you know, it's so, uh, what are y'all expecting there? Just one off. I think Utah expecting. walks them. Yeah. I mean, just, no, I don't you know. know. Just, well, it's in Utah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Cause Look, it's the, I think they exact revenge in a, in a strong way. <laughs> I, I, no, no, Quantrell, you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm saying on Saturday night, there's not a bigger, there's not a bigger time slot. I don't care about Sunday. I'm talking about Saturday night. You cannot play in a better time slot. It's 7.30 on Sunday. Um, my father-in-law told me this. If you, Y'all remember when South Carolina went out and got beat by Wyoming in basketball about five or six years ago? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe longer. My father-in-law told me, he said, I got bad news for you. The Gamecocks going to have a tough time. I said, Wyoming's terrible. Yeah, they are. He said, the air up here is different. If you haven't breathed it and you're just going to walk right in and play a football game and walk right out, it's not the way it works. And... Um, I, I think that's going to be a factor leaving the humidity of Florida for the higher altitudes of Salt Lake. And I, I think that's going to be an issue. I also just think that Utah's better than the Gators. And um, so I don't think they're going to win the game, no. I, I kind of poo-pooed last year's narrative that, you know, Utah's not used to the hot. But I, I think, you know, I thought that was a – that and Anthony Richardson had one of his few good games. And then, right. man, boy, the Anthony Richardson hype train the next week heading into that home game with Kentucky, and then they just go out and lose. Yeah, hey, I love it. Yeah, because you you heard the more, the word Heisman more than once coming out of that game, oh right? My and God. it just Herb like Herb Street geez. was sitting there in the Gator. Yeah. I think I think Herb Herbie was in there in the Gator building. I, uh-huh. uh, Anthony, uh, you know. And, and look, they did play well. And look, that was a heck of a first win for Billy Napier. And that shows you the swamp when yeah. it's when it's filled like that. When when it's the opener, and that's a tough place to go get a W. Uh, and Utah had, Utah had their chances to win a game. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like Florida dominated. But Rice Eccles Stadium, you can ask the Southern California Trojans about going out there. Um, it's going to be nice weather. Don't get me wrong, but JB's right. The air's a little thinner because you're in the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're songs. in the Rockies. Yeah, <laughs> we're in the Rockies. Extra gloves, Lloyd. Extra gloves. <laughs> an extra pair of gloves yeah, the whole the time. Rockies. No, but, but that's uh, true though. It's a thing. If I remember correctly, didn't Utah last year practice indoors and like turn on the heat or something in preparation for that? Florida yeah, they were game? doing the yeah. best they can. We yeah to prepare yeah. for the heat well, and humidity. Well, well, yeah. One of the more awesome things I covered at ESPN was this thing called an all-poly camp in Salt Lake City. You get to go to Salt Lake City in July this time of year. Oh, man, 72 degrees. Park sure. City is a brisk 55 and a 30-minute drive. Uh, 
It was awesome. And then what, the, what that is is all the kids fly in from America, Samoa, and Hawaii, and, and they have a large, you know, South Pacific Islander population. And I love dealing with those kids because they all love football and they're all huge human beings. Yeah. <laughs> they're like they're doing their dance, they're, they're tonguing dances and stuff. And, uh, but uh, I, that is, it, and that's why I thought last year Utah may have a problem because there's no humidity. Uh, right. It's not hot. Right. You know, it, it was sunny one day in 75 and people were like sweating buckets, <laughs> except the, the South Pacific Islander people. They had coats on, but because <laughs> it's cold for them. You know, they used to walking around and like, you know, nothing, loincloths and stuff. But, uh, but it's, uh, well, I mean, not, not, I mean, that, that's their traditional wear. Like they wear the, yeah, you know, oh, not, yeah. Not, they're not, they're not, they're not cavemen. They have jobs. And, I mean, they got to work and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, no. It's so traditional gonna, dress. Phil, don't dress check the weather. Don't, don't check the mail for a while. We're, we've got something yeah. probably incoming from like the Association of Southern heritage southern hawaiian heritage but nah, jc's man, a racist and hey if i lived in the islands I'd people hear what they want to hear too. no that's right I mean, you know, too. I mean they're, they're not like weather. cavemen or anything <laughs> i may wear one during the summer months no I, it's cool it's like you know you got your you got your hey, chicago's you know, hot traditional bear yeah. it's been hot last couple of days so surprisingly hey, humid being there on the lake we got to hit a timeout. Uh, final segment coming up inside the Gamecocks. The show teed up by Traveling Country Club. Hey, Gamecock fans. It's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox. You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream, and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned, Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game.
Sorry. Sorry, Phil. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Mad it Dog. It gets in there, you know. Uh, no, that's great. I Mad that. Dog. Welcome Phil. back. I was thinking about that yesterday, actually, the Mad Dog nickname. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I don't mind it. I, I, I doubt you do. In this space, it's already it's already taken. Like, yeah, it's Mad and Dog. And I feel I should, you know, show deference to Chris Russo <laughs> for being the real Mad Dog. Who was one of the originators of the, you know. All right. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. All of you who will be uh, watching at a later date or listening in podcast form, you can send us an email inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. All of you whom are watching or listening right now, raise of hands. Would you wear a mad dog Mullinax t shirt? Mm. Uh oh. <laughs> JC. Oh, there he is. Oh, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was gonna play that right. up. <laughs> come on, come on. Who are you going with? I'm going with Craig or Clint. Mm-mm. Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer old um, South wrestler. Oh, Utah plus six or eight? Nah, Craig. It'd be they'd probably you, be minus you, six or eight. I would think. You, yeah, Utah's an eight point favorite in the game. The over under in that game, by the way, is forty seven. Utah's over a touchdown favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I well, they got a lot of guys back, and they won. They won the freaking Pac-12 two pack, years in a yeah, row. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, and, and it, what does that tell you? It tells you that Southern Cal's still soft, and, and, and Lincoln no, Riley's no. teams are soft. What What does that tell you? We think that Florida's going to be terrible this year. Yet they're only a touchdown dog on the road at the Pac-12 champion. That's an opener. You know how do How do you hey, pick well, the lines for the opener? Florida, From the, Florida the, beat. The, yeah, that's exactly Florida, Florida beat the Pac-12 champion last year. Uh, and then uh, was a touchdown away from beating Florida State in the end. In the end, and beat the uh, Craig's beat the national spoiler by thirty-two points. You know, yeah. beat A and M on the road by seventeen. Hey, I was just, I'm just happy that going into the year last year, when I was on, uh, when I was on, literally the week going into the game, the first week of games, I told Bill on the air that morning. I said, I, I, I Bill, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm just a little confused as to what's coming out of the swamp. And he said, what are you talking about on 107.5? And he said, uh, I said that the the Anthony Richardson, this AR-15 talk stuff, it's it's blowing up. He's the best quarterback since, you know, ever, according to a lot of people. I I, I don't get it. He goes in there, and then he – what did y'all say a little bit ago afterwards? It, it was so loud yeah. after that game about how he was going to win the Heisman Trophy and then – the next week, he did what he did the rest of the year. He wasn't wasn't any good, except for against South Carolina. <laughs> hey, basically, he just ran against the Gamecocks. He, now he was good at Tennessee. He played really well. I think he threw for four hundred and something yards against Tennessee. That should have told you something about the Gamecocks game plan. I mean, uh, some teams tried to run it on them and and play ball control, but. If you look at Tennessee's two losses last year, even though Georgia only scored 27 points because they kind of geared it down, uh, Stetson Bennett was going downtown on them a lot early while they built the lead. And, uh, I think I think that's how you, you got to get vertical with them. And if they somehow recruit a great secondary, then maybe maybe the teams will, some teams are going to be in trouble against the balls. But uh, I don't know. Look, man, Josh Heupel was the OC at Missouri for two years. In sixteen and seventeen, and 
nobody around here even knew and feared that <laughs> offense with uh, Drew Locke and those guys. So uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what will happen? I, I, I think, I think the scheme was awesome for for their personnel, but Hendon Hooker's accuracy last year was. I mean, look at the difference between Hooker and, and Anthony Richardson in terms of accuracy. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. Had Hooker yeah, stayed healthy, hate that injury, man. That really just bad. I so devastating. Yeah, that was, that was tough him. to watch. Yeah, I yeah. felt bad. For they him. still weren't beating Carolina though, and and some no. writer, some writer for Land Grant oh. Holy Land Big Ten guy, uh, wrote that yesterday. South Carolina's overhyped. They they beat a Tennessee team that didn't have their quarterback and a and bad a, Clemson team. All that. Those are true. True. Un, two untrue statements. Somebody yeah. wrote that. Like, so I actually wrote that for a a website that actually tries to, at times, have a a, a solid reputation for for blogging, I guess. And and I, and I retweeted him, and he was like, "Oh yeah, it was a it was a fan, it was a fan in jest, man, JC. So well, yeah, way to go, man." And I was like, and they started blocking people, and one of the one of my members on the Big Spur said the guy found the guy tracked him down on LinkedIn. Found his uh, educational experience and his uh, and his e- personal email and emailed him. I started trashing him. I'm like, no, no. that's a typical the, big the, big ten. The guy who guy. wrote it, educational the, experience. Came after one of the, now, 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 look, I'm getting this second ad for for one of our people on Big Spur, right? One of our posters. So yeah. I have no idea what the original email may have said right. to this guy. I have no way of knowing that. Uh, it's not an insane poster or anything though. Uh, you know, through the years I've, I've seen, I mean, this guy's been a member a long time, but uh, I was just like, wow, he tried, I guess, tracked you down on LinkedIn, found, found out what you did for a living, where you went to school, mentioned that and sent it to your personal email address. I was like, that dude needs to, I just said simply, I was like, you need to report that to SB nation because he's probably should be fired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, over the top there. I mean, whatever, just own it. And and I was like, he was like, I just responded. I was like, nah, just don't be lazy next time, brother. Cause that's lazy as hell. And then he starts admitting it. He's like, Oh, I didn't even watch the game. Well, then why? Yeah. The guy's a writer. Hey, Hey, how about that Joe Milton? Both teams so bad. South Carolina literally knocked them both out of the 14 playoff. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's not like Clemson was on a downward spiral either. Uh-huh. They had just played what Dabo said was their best game of the year against Miami, and the following week they beat the crap out of North Carolina. Um, you know, had Clemson beaten Tennessee in the Orange Bowl, heck, nobody would have said they were a bad team. I mean, that, they weren't. They weren't bad. I mean, Clemson was a pretty good team. Yeah, I thought I thought the rest of the country was in love with him. Am I wrong? Dabo. Oh, Dabo or Jeff Milton? I thought no, both this year. I would imagine. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, hadn't heard as much about Clark. You know how long it would take your wide receiver to run ninety freaking yards? I don't care. How do you, who cares if he can throw the ball that far? You're gonna give him ten seconds back there. <laughs> For, hey, Forrest Gump! If you hold up the sign, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I don't care if you can throw it ninety yards and nobody <laughs> has. 
don't have time to run that far. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Who cares? But I can all over those mountains. <laughs> oh man, Mad Dogs, Mad Dogs starting to, the hair starting to stand up. That can't be good. Let's stir it up. Let's stir it up. All right, we're out of here. We will get into Brad Crawford's piece tomorrow on uh, what is or could be the swing game for South Carolina football this year. And we will talk about the rest of the league as well. Chris will join us. And we're getting closer and closer to the end of the week. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. (laughs) I feel like we've already been in this week for a month. So hopefully it ends soon. It's a very cement shoes feeling weak i think yes that is for sure uh thanks to keith allsep for phil and jc i'm jb inside the gamecocks the show from the sinorama studios and built by the barndo co back tomorrow at 11